Sarah Fritz is one of the kindest, most loving souls I've known. Yet until today, we had ever only spoken over email, which was so wild. It's a connection that was sparked by chance. And when I say by chance, because one night while scrolling Instagram, the Yes Queen logo came across my feed and I thought, what is this? I need to look into this a little bit more. I instantly fell in love with their mission and decided that I'd send Sarah a DM because I thought she would be really cool to have on the podcast given the mission of Yes Queen and everything that they're up to it. It's really supportive of where the True To You podcast wants to go as well. Sarah wrote me back instantly and said yes. This was back in July 2019 and then today, uh, April 2nd, 2020, we finally get to have a proper voice conversation this time and she is here with you to share her career journey and a little bit about Yes Queen. Her career spans a lot of years in the fashion industry, in the magazine world, but most recently she co-founded Sint Dakota Creative Agency with her husband Mike and co-founded Yes Queen, a not-for-profit organization and community that sole purpose is to future-proof well-being at work by erasing bullying, cultivating safe and positive and inclusive cultures. I love it. I'm such a fan of their mission that you'll probably laugh at this, but I'm frequently seen wearing my pink and red, it's very bright, Yes Queen jumper around Newcastle, especially along the beaches. And also in my Instagram feed, it pops up a lot. So I'm really glad to have Sarah here today because we have a very wide ranging conversation for you. We talk about the why behind Yes Queen what it means to become a not-for-profit, uh, how they've used product and ambassador collaborations to support the mission of Yes Queen, the balance of two businesses. Uh, you'll see how incredible the back end of Yes Queen is when you jump on their website, but also they're consistently building their community uh, through their Instagram as well. So there's a lot of work that goes into this. Uh, Sarah and Mike have also traveled and worked abroad. Uh, they moved overseas and then started their creative agency, as I found out today. And we talk about so much more. It's a great conversation. So without further ado, I want to welcome Sarah Fritz to the True To You podcast. And this is episode 39. This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week, we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome, Sarah, to the True to You podcast on this beautiful morning. Thank, Thank you, Ruby. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, and I just have to say before we roll into the questions today and roll into this conversation that I was so excited for this conversation because I feel like every interaction I have with you, Sarah, is uh, warm and delightful and fun and playful and 
I feel like I've known you for years and I'm pretty sure you get that all the time. You're probably um, a bit of an old soul, I imagine. Um, But it's just been really lovely to interact. And and right now with what we're going through as well, if we're listening, if anyone's listening to this in real time, you'll know that so much of our conversation is being had digitally through uh, emails, through texts, uh, WhatsApp, whatever medium you like to use and it's it's really made me aware in my uh, interactions with you how important it, it is to continue being who you are and bring your personality to it and really value the other person on the other side of that email so thank you so oh. much for being you <laughs> thank you the feelings completely mutual yeah yeah and I think that's just um the spirit of what you've created as well which we'll get into a little bit later is um providing that space for women to feel seen and heard so yeah I really appreciate you for that (laughs) thank you so much that's so kind you're so welcome (laughs) what I would love to hear from you Sarah is a little bit about your career journey so the highs the lows the twists and turns and what got you to this point of having a digital agency with your husband and also running a not-for-profit. I'm sure there's a very interesting backstory behind this. So would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your journey, your career journey so far? Yes, uh, absolutely. So I studied fashion and textiles at RMIT University in Melbourne and it was a very multifaceted course. So it covered business, accounting, advertising, marketing, also programs like Illustrator and Photoshop. We did pattern making, which I was terrible at. Mm. I think the pair of jeans that I was meant to make ended up looking like pantaloons. (laughs) (laughs) And I was very much more aligned to the business and marketing side of the course. And when that finished up, I was seeking employment within the head offices of fashion houses. Yeah. And during that time, I did a number of internships uh, at places like Witchery, Hothouse Media. I, I volunteered at Vamp over a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad hooked me up with, an internship at Maximum Agency. Uh, And after this period of interning, I got a call from a friend asking if I'd be interested in working within the advertising team for uh, the fashion and health titles at Pacific Magazines. And I had never considered a career in publishing. I didn't even know that that was an option. I thought all of the head offices were in Sydney. But when this call came in, I had a huge rush of excitement and realised this would be my dream job. Um, From a young child, I was buying fashion magazines. I remember going to the Melbourne show and I'd want to get the Vogue or the L bag. (laughs) And Mm. um, you just kind of had that realisation that it was the path that I did want to go on but hadn't considered Um, so I did land that role as the advertising coordinator on Marie Claire InStyle Women's and Men's Health 
and worked with an incredibly smart and driven team. Uh, and like any new job, you have to cut your teeth. You have to say yes to everything. No task is too menial. Mm. Um, and in advertising land, there are a lot of restructures uh, which make you very resilient and agile. And over that period working there, I went from working on the fashion and health titles to the entire scope um, across the board. So uh, I thought that was something also that I really enjoyed, that I didn't have to solely focus on the fashion and health side of the business. Um, and, yeah, I think that those um, periods make you super um, agile and resilient, which you realise are necessary for survival in the modern-day workplace. Um, I spent eight years in the industry and developed skills in brand strategy, creative concepting, uh, campaign construction, and... I would say my career highlights would be working under Jana Pokorny, who is the fashion director for Marie Claire, and to this day is one of the most inspiring, kind leaders and someone I still very much look up to. Um, and I also worked on very large-scale campaigns for Disney and the Victorian Racing Club. Uh, I spearheaded the first publisher partnership between the VRC and fashion titles L Harper's Bazaar and Cosmopolitan when that was still operating. And that was a 360 campaign that went across print and digital, social integration, and we had activation events within the birdcage. And after all of this, uh, so Mike, my husband, also works in advertising and we're both extremely passionate about the industry, but we were both feeling so worn out. And uh, along with uh, working in that industry does come a number of side effects, including exhaustion, mentally and physically, lack of sleep. We hardly saw each other and um, we decided to pack it all in and start our own agency. Uh, so we packed up our apartment, we put it into a shipping container and we moved to Bali uh, to open a remote creative agency. And how long ago was that, that you uh, moved to Bali? That was December 2017. Oh, wow. So uh, I know a little bit of your story because when, or your recent, uh, I guess, um, part of your career is spent, being spent overseas. And mm -hmm. when we first connected, you were living in Vietnam. And so that's pretty interesting that you moved and started the business remotely. Tell me a little bit, if you don't mind, about how you were able to do that. Did you have a lot of connections back in Victoria and Melbourne that you were able to leverage off? Were you starting to do a little bit of um, contract work on the side 
yeah, that that seems like a really crazy <laughs> thing to do. So, I know. And I'm sure all of the people are going, okay, how did they go from there to there? So maybe if you're yes. okay um, you a little. Yes. Well, I had actually had six months off mm-hmm. between the period of um, finishing up my corporate career and launching the digital agency. Uh, but in that period, I was doing some contract work for Bellabox mm-hmm. and outside of that I was working on um, some freelance work so I put out there that I wanted to do you know, brand strategy um, anything in the digital or social space and also anything um, from a graphic design and website point of view which I would lean on Mike for mm-hmm. and every now and then he did do projects outside um of his role, but uh, we started to get some traction and people wanting the freelance work. Mm-hmm. And during that time, Mike had found an article that was on digital nomads. Yeah. And he showed it to me in bed. And I got up and sat up straight and said, Yes, this <laughs> is what? He said, yes, we can take our laptops and work anywhere around the world. We deal with digital files. We can have all our meetings via Skype. Um, so the ball had already started rolling in terms of some a little bit of work, which was coming from um, our friendship group, so mm-hmm. people who had side hustles that were wanting to um, turn them into a business. Yeah. And when we officially launched St. Dakota uh, as a business, we started an Instagram account and we got a DM or an email, sorry, from Johnny, the condom label. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was just completely random. They had found our account account, um, and... Yeah, reached out and said, we're launching a condom brand. We're targeting uh, Gen Z. It was going to be you know, super stylish, something you felt proud to be carrying. And we were just, we couldn't believe that with this email had come through. Mm. And it was just before we were moving to Bali. And we had a meeting with um, the two Becks from Johnny. And uh, over that coffee, we um, shook hands to uh, launch their brand into the Australian market. Amazing. That's super cool. And uh, I think people always think that um, that transition from uh, in-person or living in your current hometown to then going and working remotely, it looks pretty simple, but it sounds like you had some really great relationships already that uh, you had the lucky break with Johnny, but then also having friends that really trusted your work and your brand and the amount of years of experience that you had as well was really great. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure that transition was still a little bit scary. (laughs) It was. And uh, one thing we also needed uh, I don't know if I can swear yeah. on the program, but having a fuck off fund yeah, yeah. Uh, is super important. So we 
uh, had to make big changes to our lifestyle. Mm. So no more $7 almond lattes with honey, yeah. uh, no, no more KX Pilates. It was, you know, runs around the Vic Park. Um, that was behind our house. And I think, you know, you have to be willing to, to let go from your old world yeah. uh, when you're starting a business, especially if you're bootstrapping it. So uh, you're putting your personal funds to get your business off the ground. Uh, so it, it is possible, but I think it just takes uh, some pretty massive changes uh, to your life and downsizing and going back to basics to, to bring it to life. Yes, yes, 100%. And uh, that's always something that I start with clients is how much money do you need to live right now? Mm-hmm. Um, could that lifestyle be downgraded a little bit such that if you were able to step into this business full time at a certain point, that would work for you? And uh, those numbers don't have to be a massive spreadsheet or anything, but getting really clear on that, not, it helps you to then create goals to work towards as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, although you were living in Southeast Asia, that's a uh, reasonably uh, cheap place to live. Yes. Um, did you still want to travel and explore and things like that? Was it uh, you started in Bali but ended up in Vietnam? Was the intention to work and travel at the same time? Yes. We, yes. we, we planned on doing both and we actually lived in 11 countries Wow! Uh, over that two years. Wow. And were you able to fund most of this trip apart from your F off fund as well. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, your backstop of savings if if everything uh you yes. know, if the work situation changed, but for the most part were you able to work and travel and fund that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we had we had uh consistent work the um entire trip. So that was funding our our rent and food, which you know, just the essentials. And then um, we had some some extra money to do some some good travelling in there in between as well. So uh, we didn't come home with much, <laughs> but um, you know the the purpose was the experience, and you know we feel grateful that we did it then, especially given what's happening now. But also looking forward, we didn't want to do it when we were. You know, in our 70s on adventure before dementia. <laughs> um, we're like, you know, we're, we're mid-30s and let's go out and, and see the world before we settle down. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And I bet that with all of that experience that you've had, you've been able to thread that into your business as well. Uh, culturally, all of those experience, you now understand what it's like to have a story behind your business and, and things like that. So I think when we do put ourselves out there and have those different experiences, it really adds to the richness of what we're creating as our work, doesn't it? Absolutely. And we felt more creative and inspired than ever in the environments that we were in and 
yeah, that's not something that we felt we were getting from from corporate world and also working on less clients we found was, you know, more beneficial and not having to stretch ourselves over over so many. You can give a lot more love to to your clients and to the work that you're doing. Yeah, that's really important. That's really important because it's very easy to take on a lot of work to try and reach a certain income goal, but there's so much that you have to also do when you're running a business for the first time that you might not have to do when you're in your corporate environment because someone else is taking care of that. So every client there also is a whole stream of other actions that we have to take and we're suddenly learning the finance side of business and um you know other things that you probably were a little bit out of your skill set perhaps so yes absolutely yeah yeah was there anything that you would say you didn't expect in terms of running a business that surprised you obviously not over uh not over leveraging yourself in terms financially, but also how many clients you were taking on. Uh, was there anything else that you've learned from this process that you would love to share? Uh, I think that uh, it's wearing a lot of hats is something that you don't do, or most people probably don't do in corporate world. You have your role, then there's the accounting department, the HR department. Um, the insights department and you're suddenly all of those departments Mm. and I think that you just have to be um, you know really willing to learn and uh, get your hands dirty um, and uh, take on roles that you probably wouldn't so I wouldn't call myself a numbers person, but I'm now the accountant on St. Dakota and Yes Queen. So uh, that's something that I've definitely had to learn and end up skilling to um, get our business into the position that it is now. And I definitely found that challenge. Uh, but likewise with Mike, he hadn't built websites before, but he's now a pro at it. And, um, you know, we're sitting here now, with um, you know, still operating our two businesses. Yeah, amazing. Is there any parts of your business now that you outsource uh, that the, the work is consistent or are you st- mm-hmm. both still doing every part of the business? We still outsource development mm-hmm. uh, of the, so the back end of websites. That's not something um, either of us can do. Uh, and what else? There's been a few projects along the way where we've engaged uh, other graphic designers yep. to to help us if it's a, a large scale project, um, and we did a a bottle label for an alcohol brand yep. last year, and we engaged an illustrator for that project. But Mike is an art director uh, and very skilled at. Um, painting and and illustrator but he would guide the project but this particular illustrator had a certain skill that was able to execute what we needed to for the label yeah 
Oh, so interesting. I bet all of those years in, in advertising and fashion and, and it's amazing, isn't it? How you sometimes forget all of that experience compounds on itself to the point where you can actually run projects and do quite a lot within your business. Uh, I know even for myself having an architecture background, but being able to be across different projects, being across larger scale projects that then suddenly in my own business, once that shrunk down <laughs> to a much smaller scale, yeah. you, still, you still apply the same logic and the same skills and strengths and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to have a chat about Yes Queen because you did mention Yes Queen a little bit. Tell us what Yes Queen is. And I would love to know, was, was there an experience, a particular moment or maybe series of experiences or things that you heard from friends around mm -hmm. the work environment uh, that prompted you to start this cause mm -hmm. yeah uh yes so yes queen was born out of my personal experience uh i did witness and experience workplace bullying mm -hmm. uh which i did suffer mentally and physically and at the time i went searching for resources and i couldn't find anything that spoke yeah. to me uh, everything out there was uh, very black and white, a little stark, and I felt very outdated. And it was also very much set up for victims uh, yeah. of workplace bullying. And this is where the idea for Yes Queen came in. It was I wanted to stop this behaviour from happening altogether. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm also a very positive and optimistic uh, employee and and person by nature and I wanted that to be the anchor in Yes Queen and and that was the opportunity to have a positive prevention platform mm -hmm. and we are hyper focused on wellness self-development and soft skills and we specifically cater to millennials and Gen Z so I think if you go onto the SQM website or the social, you'll feel that straight away. And that's something that was really important to me when I'd gone through workplace bullying, the, the sites I was landing on made me feel quite alone. Mm. And uh, I really wanted someone to land on the SQM project and feel an immediate human connection. And, you know, that's what it is all about. It's... Um, protecting humans, our fellow employees, our, our people, our tribe um, from some of the toxic behaviours that are happening uh, within the workplace. And I knew from my personal and witnessed experiences that there was a need for it. Um, but when I started telling people outside my immediate circles, I quickly knew that we needed this revolution and so we called it the revolution of kindness in the workplace. Mm. And when we put it out there, we had a very fast growing community and that was validation that um, it was needed. And uh, we were getting immediate emails and DMs across all categories 
uh, from both males and females, from senior executives down to, to junior staff. So um, we felt so confident that we put something out there that that didn't exist. And I guess that's um, what we're seeing in terms of its growth and um, the amount of ambassadors that we're attracting to help help our project yes yes and uh anchored in such a strong vision that you had from the beginning and uh seeing what was out there but saying how can we how can we tackle this in in perhaps a slightly different way or how can we create a digital environment which for some people can can be challenging but with your mm-hmm. experience you obviously had a good understanding of brand of marketing of of really getting inside your uh target market i guess it's funny to use those words around something like this yeah. but in theory you still had to go back to your basics exactly. I imagine. definitely yeah. yeah um and that's you're right that's so clear and it was probably something people have been waiting for a long time and something in, that you said right at the beginning there was that you were always a really positive and optimistic person and I think that's really interesting because I would identify with that as well and having come from I don't think this is necessarily gender specific but uh, I do know that sometimes to be that way and show up in in that way in certain uh, corporate environments though I know it is changing like we have amazing uh, people like Brene Brown that have created whole learning pieces and books around more of these softer skills but to be like that and still be a stand for a cause like bullying uh, is could be challenging, right? Because you're not mm-hmm. that fierce spirited, you're an activist, but in your own way. And I know sometimes that softness can be taken as a weakness in some corporate mm-hmm. environments. Did you want to share anything around that? Uh, it's obviously surprised you somewhat that it's it's really needed more of that mm-hmm. approach or more of your approach. But was there anything you wanted to share on that? I think that soft skills are becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the Brené Brown, uh, Simon Sinek, Gary Vee, there's a lot of people talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's definitely a it's becoming a buzzword, uh, but our project um, wants to try and lift that from, you know, speaking about it in forums uh, to actually getting it into the, the ground and the floor within businesses. Mm. Uh, but I think for a, lot, for a lot of people, it will be something very new, like how mm. do I be empathic at work? How do I... Uh, show kindness at work because they're they're intangibles, which does make them hard to measure. And as we know, since the start of the industrial revolution, there um, has been such a huge focus on tasks mm. and KPIs, mm. and it's very business driven. We report to shareholders, so um, that's something that's something that is still happening within corporates. 
So trying to introduce the soft skills is something that I think is going to take a lot of time. And I think we need to start with um, explaining what they are and introducing things like workshops and um, offering some kind of ritual that you can integrate into the workplace so people know what they are. But then for our project, we hope that in the future there will be um, a place where we can measure these soft skills because we know from so much research um, they are actually more important than the hard skills. So mm -hmm. I think the number is it's um, success relies on 80% of emotional intelligence wow. and only 20% of your IQ. So um, it's surprising that there's not already a focus on it, but I guess that is because we have a profits over people culture. Yeah. Whereas the Yes Queen project hopes to flip that and have the focus on the people, on the innate soft skills and to show how that looks and feels within a workplace and then trying to integrate it. Yeah. And your approach is very much anchored in wellness and self-development as a way of people understanding who they are and supporting themselves. I guess if you have ever felt uh, vulnerable to bullying or witness bullying, it can be very taxing on our uh, emotional and physical health. So I love that you have this uh, foundational focus on wellness and self-development as a way of allowing people to build that resilience uh, and also support themselves physically and mentally. Can you share anything about that strategy and maybe a couple of things that you found have found that have either, either worked for you and Mike or perhaps uh, things that you really promote through your workshops and different experiences that you create? Mm -hmm. uh, if anyone's been on the Queen project, uh, they'll know we have a very modern approach mm. to work workplace wellbeing. And I think that's something that's definitely unique about our project and our mission. And we are thinking beyond yoga and meditation, but we're very big advocates for those. But that's something that has been popular for quite some time now. Mm. And a few businesses are integrating um, that in. But our project is looking... Uh, I guess in more of a new age light yeah. and uh, that's reflected in our online wellness directory and these products, services, people and tools have been tried and tested by either myself or from someone within the Yes Queen community. Mm. Uh, so we have things like Kundalini, multi-dimensional healing, uh, tarot, energy and human design chart readings, sound healings, uh, self-expression dance sessions. Uh, so it's a very unique approach to um, self-development. But uh, from my own experience, I found that it definitely elevated myself from a personal 
and professional point of view. Mm. So uh, we're trying to deliver it in a way that isn't woo-woo because there's obviously a lot of that um, perception of these kinds of practices and I, um, I would say we have a gentle approach in that uh, there's no editorial or commercial agenda behind our wellness offering. Mm. It's completely peer-to-peer. Mm. Uh, and that's that was another strategy behind Yes Queen. So um, we're not, you know, a super experienced older psychologist, mm. um, which is what I was seeing in the in the resources that were out there. It was how can we use our experience and then the tools that helped us as our advocacy. So um, that's our strategy behind our, our wellness offering. So I would say it's very authentic and um, service-centric and, as I said, very gentle. So we're not trying to push anything on anyone. We're just sharing information. Mm. And if people are feeling aligned to it, uh, they might give it a go and, and we have we have seen people from our community uh, use our online wellness directory. So that's really exciting for us that we put something out there that you know is is quite different. And you know, ten years ago, I I would never imagine that I would be you know publicly speaking about Kundalini awakenings. Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I I I love this journey and something that I've been passionate about since I was 14 years old so Mm. um it feels really good to be to be doing something that feels like my sole purpose and and mission and just being confident um in the outcomes that I receive from them from them and then knowing that that might translate to someone else who's experienced workplace bullying yeah yeah absolutely and I think what's really interesting is that you've chosen the approach of a lot of a lot of these campaigns, you know, a lot of it is campaign driven when we're trying to build awareness around something when especially if it's a top-down approach, you know, it's been driven from the government or from certain larger organizations, whereas you have chosen more of a community and bottom-up approach. And I think that that's really key to your success as well. And Uh, something that you specifically said just then is that you're not trying to blast out (laughs) your message you're doing it in a in a a very kind and gentle way and almost as if if this is right for you then come join us rather than Mm -hmm. or if you're a little bit interested maybe you know jump on our website and then go from there rather than uh that kind of top-down approach that you get then filtered through HR and then this is our policy and (laughs) um, not to I I think um, there's you know I know a lot of great people in HR so I'm not um, I'm absolutely the different shift that you've taken yeah is there anything you want you want to share on that because I got you sounded a little bit excited when I started (laughs) (laughs) I just I I loved hearing back your thoughts on it and um I think that that's something we always felt too was 
we've never aimed to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, maybe we will and, you know, I, our hope is to reach everyone mm. but that it's okay if we don't. Yeah. And uh, we've definitely taken a very organic approach to the social. So it's a completely organic following. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that, um, you know, it's people that drive change and going back to having that reversal so people over profits, mm. I think that it will be the employees that change the landscape. Mm. And uh, I guess some of the archaic ways of some HR um, and policies and procedures and, and onboarding is going to have to change to suit millennials who are the future of work um by 2020 sorry 2025 uh mm. there'll be 70% of the workforce so wow. um i guess we came in at uh you know, a good time to it was two years ago to start having this conversation and uh what we're building in our in our toolkits and in our brand partnerships will um, hopefully be within workplaces yeah and with the HR with the HR team so I think that you know the more younger people that are getting into these positions will be uh, more open to our project but we're not sure um, how it will go but uh, we always say even if we reach one person or one business that's that's a success for us Mm, it's that ripple effect, isn't it? Because you know that then there's potential for them to tell other people. And and as you said, that organic growth. Uh, and you have been, uh, you've, you've been very successful in that, you know, who knows what, what metric actually defines success, right? But uh, I do know that your community has spread across the globe and perhaps that is a little bit, uh, through the fact that you were traveling at the time that you were creating this. So every person that you touched, you could mention it too. But is there anything that you can share in terms of building community? Uh, it's a it's a word that I find gets thrown around a lot. I want to build a community for my business. Uh, you know, I have, have this service and I want to really want to create a community, but we don't always really understand what what that entails or uh, what community means for us so is there mm -hmm. any and, and without getting too much into strategy but mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're, you know you are an incredible person Mike's an incredible person I know you're, you're more the, the the face of this um, as well as your ambassadors but yeah is there anything that's helped you to grow that? Uh, over the last couple of years in an organic way. But, yes, you have actually, you know, you have amassed a, a, a decent worldwide following. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I think it would start with the fact that we set it up as peer-to-peer. -peer. Mm -hmm. uh, so immediately everyone has a seat at the table mm -hmm. and everyone has a chance to 
share their story and have their opinion and 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 their point of view point of view and uh it's all welcomed mm. and uh so i think you know yes queen is an open invitation and um i think that that lends itself to a community vibe mm. uh also, yes, definitely the ambassador program. So that's something we rolled out from inception. And we started with 30 ambassadors before we launched the project. And we now have over 100. Wow. Yeah. Uh, behind the project. And they are people in work that live and breathe, live and breathe our ethos. Uh, they share a tile on their own uh, platforms mm-hmm. uh, usually on LinkedIn and Instagram to talk about our project and what we're doing mm. and then like you said it's that ripple effect so there might be 10 people or 100 people within that ne- network that Yes Queen resonates with and I think that that particular um, element to our project has has been what has made us grow so quickly Mm. it's those passionate ambassadors um initially joining and sharing the word but then they continue to have that conversation they are always looking at ways that we can you know work with a brand work with a particular person um we then also have um a team of specialists so we have uh pr marketing um we have business and we've got different heads within the team that mm-hmm. are kind of seeding out and helping us grow so um we've been incredibly lucky to have um a lot of pr presence yeah. uh, especially last year i think we were featured in 12 um, platforms or publications and you know I don't think it is luck I think that you know we have spoken out about something that everyone has experienced and no one was discussing mm. and I would say it was actually quite taboo until Yes Queen because no one wanted to talk about the B word yep. you know bullying it's it's a serious word and mm. I felt in corporate world, people didn't like when you talked about it. Mm. But yes, Queen has opened up that space to have just a different light on it and saying, you know, it is serious, but we can look at it in a different way. And um, sorry, I've deviated off <laughs> community. No, no. But, you know, that, that, that is all part of it because, you know, our community are the employees within businesses who, who wanted to be part of this conversation. So by flipping it with the um, prevention intention, I think people have felt more comfortable to come into Yes Queen mm. because, you know, it's not victims talking out and bagging people or bagging businesses. Mm. It's, you know, how, how can we stop the behaviour? So I think that's a vibe and... Um, you know, the drive behind our mission that a community community wants to get behind because it is positive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, with that, I imagine that a number of businesses down the line or, or even now, but I'm thinking larger, larger businesses will want to get on board because 
people don't like the word bullying because it probably screams lawsuit for a lot of yeah. a lot of corporates. So they don't want to go there unless they really have to or unless they have the right procedures in place. But like you say, it's it's like taking your own health, a prevention approach to your own health. Like why can't we, a place that we spend 40 hours plus a week at, why shouldn't we have that same prevention approach in that environment too? If we, if we look after ourselves, our health that way, then why can't that also be in that environment? So I think that that approach is really beautiful and I'm, absolutely positive you're going to have uh some some bigger entities on board down the line but i love that you're also mindful of that and not leaping straight into that it will come to you when it when it does something that i i did notice and i think this is a really great point to touch on for people out there that uh have products or uh considering you know they have a side hustle or something like that that is it is a product-based business you also promote services as well but I know you've done a lot of product collaborations is that mm-hmm. is that correct where you've created some myths and you've done uh, mm-hmm. some of your workshops with crystal uh create uh, makers I yes. guess the right word yes yeah so that's that's for people out there that have a product Um, I'm not necessarily saying to align with yes queen but what does Mm -hmm. that brand partnership or product partnership approach looked like for you and 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 how how to how have the people gone about that being a not-for-profit as well bearing Mm -hmm. in mind that there's probably um there's not that emphasis on how can we create something to generate lots of sales and lots of mm-hmm. revenue. So I'd love to just touch on that very quickly, what that strategy looks like for you um, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit about brand partnerships because I'm sure you, through your advertising background as well, you've done lots of that anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So we, we launched Yes Queen as a passion project so money was never kind of a driver or a consideration mm. and uh, it's built on a virtue so uh, that keeps our project very hard and service centric and um, any partners that come in to work with us um, naturally feel aligned to that to that role so um, we never have someone coming in that has personal gain or or commercial um, objectives Um, and I guess if if that was the case it it wouldn't be the right match for Mm -hmm. what we're doing because everything needs to be focused on the the impact and um, our end goal Um, so in was it June last year we became an official not-for-profit status Mm. And that meant we could start operating commercially and we did have to make that step and uh, into starting to generate profits so we could continue to evolve the mission. And uh, so we decided let's go for not-for-profit status because this way the majority of the funds have to be used for the, the mission. So it's very much um, it will continue to be people focused not profit focused Mm -hmm. 
and uh, our wonderful brand partners that have come into the project uh, have either had their own personal experience, so they feel very passionate about what we're doing. Um, for example, White November, mm-hmm. we have a boss babe ring, signet mm-hmm. ring, that uh, she designed for uh, another client. It was a custom jewellery piece. And when the girl put it on, she said, oh, I feel like a boss babe. <laughs> and when she said that, Bianca said, I immediately thought of the S Queen project. And she started to think about how she could make it um, bespoke to our mission. So mm-hmm. she designed it with crystals that were about um, love and kindness and, and oneness. And then, yeah, designed this ring where um, 30% of the profits would come to the Yes Queen project. Um, and as you said, with our backgrounds, we're able to put, you know, marketing and creative around it mm. um, and, turn it, and turn it into a little campaign that helps mm. support our mission. Mm. Um, we also have Olez, which are sustainable wicker bags. Yep. And it's run by a girl called Erin. And we actually worked together back in advertising days. Uh, and she has herself experienced uh, something like I did. Uh, so is, again, very passionate about the work we're doing and gives 10% of her profits to the Yes Queen project every month. Uh, recently we had a organic yoga brand create a t-shirt that said I am on the front and that purpose of that tea was to be very empowering and they contacted us proactively and said we love what you're doing we've created this t-shirt we feel like it's aligned to your project and we'd love to give you 30% of the profits Um, and uh, Aluna Mm-hmm. which is the, the crystal and essential oil brand, uh, became a Yes Queen ambassador last year when we were living in Vietnam. And uh, we already had our own Yes Queen wellness sprays, which have a crystal and essential oils inside them. And that's something that Aluna also do. So we had some synergies there and, we started talking about how we could work more closely together and we decided to put on a workshop where Stacey, um, the co-founder of Aluna, would share her um, insanely amazing knowledge mm-hmm. on the science behind crystals and essential oils yeah. and how you can work with those and crystals to set intentions, have mindful rituals, um, and we held that at the Blow, yeah. uh, which is the amazing uh, blow dry bar in the CBD in Melbourne, run by Phoebe Simmons, mm. um, who's also a Yes Queen ambassador. Oh, gosh, I'm lucky. There's so many amazing people behind this yeah. project. Yeah. Um, Luna and the Blow um, donated um, their time, their space, their their products. It was a hundred percent donation to the Yes Queen project. Wow! And in return, we got one hundred percent of the ticket sales. So um, that was an incredible initiative for us, and fantastic for our 
for our fundraising, which uh, at the moment is 100% going back into the mission. Yeah. And yeah. that is the, the, big, the big part of a not-for-profit is um, those funds have to be continuing to, to pour into your purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of the not-for-profit process is also having a board of directors uh, and a constitution which Yes Queen is now governed by. Yes. And we report report to our board of directors uh, every quarter with our our goals, um, how we're tracking our outcomes and keeping across our, our fundraising pool. Mm, mm. And so the money that goes back into Yes Queen, what do you you then use that for? What do you create from that or mm-hmm. what does that uh, pay for uh, for most not for profits it's keeping the lights on and keeping the yes. uh, the team uh, operating but is there anything specific that you can share I understand if mm-hmm. um, that's things you can't share as well but I'm just really curious how a not-for-profit works because uh, it's something that I've never been part of so mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're very grassroots. Yeah. So um, to date, uh, we've just been purely fundraising. Yes. Uh, to get to get that kitty built up, but yeah. um, we have just announced that we are rolling out transformation tools, which will be a virtual home series, uh, and this is in response to um, COVID nineteen. Because our initial plan was to use the money for uh, in-work workshops and uh, events. Uh, And when that was um, put on hold, we've now engaged uh, some teachers, artists and healers Mm. to help put together uh, digital tools that we can blast out to the community and house on our website in perpetuity. Mm. Amazing. So good. So good. I'm so excited for this and uh, I'll be definitely sharing. And we've also had Phoebe on the podcast as well. So she is, (laughs) she's such a cool Uh woman. So it's nice that the, um, uh, that I've had you as well to complete the little trio. (laughs) So Sarah, you've, you have two projects essentially that you're working on one or two businesses one being yes queen the other being saint dakota and that must be challenging to have two things one that is more of a passion project one that's more of a love uh and the other is the one that puts the food on the table and keeps Mm -hmm. the lights on (laughs) how do you how what does that balance look like and maybe you can even because there's probably some women out there that that may have side hustles that they're balancing with a full-time job or they actually are like you and they have two businesses running at once. Uh, mm-hmm. So for those that are contemplating that or in the midst of that and they're thinking, how does Sarah balance all of this? Can you give us some thoughts on what that looks like for you some some ideas some things that have worked for you perhaps mm-hmm. uh it is super tricky to get into your your flow and balance and I would say it was probably I think now I would say I'm confidently in my flow and in mm-hmm. balance but the first couple of years do take that the discipline 
and and the practice into um, servicing you know, your your two businesses or your business and your your side hustle. And Saint Jacoda has to take precedence um, at all times. And as you said, it's the the rent and food provider. Yeah. Um, it's something that I'm equally um, as passionate about as as the Yes Queen project. So I feel very lucky to be doing something that I that I love and and am driven by. Um, and owning your own business does um, afford you the opportunity to set your day up for more balance. So I'm sure anyone working in corporate can relate to. You know, your alarm going off at 6 a.m. and you're kind of in the shower getting ready and you're driving to work. You work your eight hours or 10 hours and um, you come home. So it did leave very little room for, you know, self-service and and, uh, wellness Mm. uh, during that period. So it's something that Mike and I tried to implement from the beginning Mm. and we started with, uh, dedicating every morning to meditation mm. and we use the app insight timer yeah so we're now three years into to doing that and have clocked eleven thousand minutes wow uh, on the app yes awesome. <laughs> which it's been a game changer for um you know from a business perspective and a relationship perspective you know mike and i spend 24 hours a day together mm-hmm. and you know this mindful practice has helped us be mindful in our communication and um you know it, it sets the happiness button for the start of the morning where you know you can take that time to have your deep breathing um set your intention for the day you know what kind of energy do i want to cultivate and, and bring into into the space and um, I think that's something that's really important for achieving balance and flow is that you have to have a starting point to achieve it. Mm. I just, I don't think it's possible without a practice like meditation. Mm. And if someone isn't into that or can't meditate, I know a lot of people say, I can't, I, I just a few seconds in my mind's wandering off, but it does take practice and three years in I can attest that you will be in a space where you can completely switch off um but it's also thinking about things like exercise I think that that's something that has to be part of your your day and it's something that we do commit to we go for a walk every morning and usually follow up with a little um circuit just in front of the house yeah and that's something that also proved to us on the road traveling we didn't need a gym to be fit and healthy and to exercise we can you know when you've got your body and gravity um you can exercise from anywhere so um doing things like sit-ups and push-ups and in montenegro remember we used rocks around the place to do weights and um i just think you know the last couple of years have just broken so many barriers yeah. to my old thinking and ways of, you know, having to have things in context, like going to Pilates or um, 
going to a guided meditation at an actual facility. It's mm. you can introduce all these practices um, as self-guided rituals that uh, I do believe bring um, a more balanced day. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and when you don't have that structure, especially of uh, a corporate environment as well or just knowing that you turn up from this time to this time and you have a lunch hour and and all of those things you have to really create your own structures and even I know um, you know right now there's probably a lot of people who who are now working from home and and I think Mm. the wellness uh, work that you're going to be releasing over the next few months is going to be so key for that because like you said, sometimes some of us now have children at home or the other partner there with us. And at least you and Mike have had a few um, months or years under your belt of, of doing that. So you're very much yes. hearing from experience because that's not all glamorous all the time. <laughs> no. And yeah. it's, you know, we all have our days of, you know, sleep-ins and um, days off and, that's really important as well. I think that you know, to be in a flow, there isn't a rigid routine. Mm. And you know, if you don't meditate in the morning, you can do it in the afternoon. And if you didn't get a chance to exercise, you don't beat yourself up. It's um, I think that you know the balance comes from how you're feeling within, mm. um, and that means if you're feeling good watching Netflix on the couch, you're self-servicing. Um, and I think that that's really important to know that it's it's not, like you said, glamorous or, you know, I know there's a lot of accounts out there that make me feel <laughs> not bad about myself, but, you know, maybe they make wellness look easy. Mm. and um, I don't think it is. I think it, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a journey, mm. and you have to find what feels good for you and um, be empowered to to have your own personal um, rituals and practices and and lean into those because that's what's going to, to get you to your end goal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and... Uh, you filter that so well through uh, through Yes Queen as well. So I know that that's a philosophy that you hold true to yourself, but then you're able to really authentically share that through the Yes Queen platform. So for anyone that, now that we've been talking about it a lot, uh, jump on and follow Yes Queen. You'll have a great time with their Instagram. They have so much uh inspiration and positivity but also really great tools and things like that like you said you have a great uh, wellness directory so uh, if you're looking for wellness professionals to connect with that's uh, all being vetted by Sarah and Mike so um, you know and those people also on board with the philosophies of Yes Queen so if you don't know where to start with finding someone to support you in a certain way that might be a really great place for you to go I'm just going to give a little wrap to yes queen <laughs> for that mm-hmm. um okay so I would love to finish off just knowing 
what you're excited about for this year, despite the fact that uh, the uh, the year's thrown a little curveball at us, but mm-hmm. these times will always happen. It's just happened in a very uh, a very big way, Surprise. shall we say? <laughs> very big yes. and slightly unexpected way. But I think there's a lot of great stuff coming out of this time too. In, mm-hmm. in lieu of that, though, and I love that you have been very agile as well and it means that, yes, Queen hasn't um, gone to ground. You're, you're stronger than ever through this time. What are you excited about right now or maybe uh, on the other side of COVID-19? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say that, um, you know, I think what's happening is, you know, obviously very devastating in in many ways but I think that there's going to be a lot of good that's going to come out on the other side I think um we talked before about you know going back to basics Mm. and I think that you know we are all going to be a lot wiser more resourceful um share more I think that that's been really exciting and encouraging to see that Mm. so many people are coming out and sharing their gifts Mm. um the world um like never before so I guess it it is a period of rapid transformation where I feel people are more empowered than ever and um you know it's an exciting time if you do have a passion project or a side hustle you possibly have more time to work on it on the side Mm. and um, if you are working from home you might be also thinking about what the other side looks like um, for this and leading the way within your organizations and I think um, flexible working is something that will become more mainstream Mm. after COVID-19 and um, seeing that you know we can work work less and get more done Mm. Uh, where we're not confined to, um, you know, four walls and and a period of time. Mm. Um, so I'm very excited to see um, the updates that happen within the workplace and um, and people personally after this this period. I think, um, you know, more people are tapping into their their higher consciousness, so we can stay grounded and calm and positive and and ride this wave together. Um, like I said, I think it's a massive opportunity for us to to do better and, and be better. Um, and that's for the earth and, mm. and for people. Mm. Uh, from a Yes Queen perspective, uh, I'm very excited about our in-work wellness workshops. And on the other side of COVID-19, I, I hope that's something that we're we're seeding out to two businesses. Mm. Uh, we do have three uh, amazing wellness partners on board um, and we're working in the background on those packages that uh, business was, businesses will be able to uh, tap into if they're seeking a very modern approach to, to well-being. And uh, I can say that Aluna is one of our partners. Mm. Um so doing the crystal and essential oil um, workshops in work and um, I think that's, you know, 
seen the end of some of the more archaic um, wellness in, wellness initiatives within the workplace, like your quizzes or bring your national food in or, <laughs> um, you know, pub lunch. I don't know. I, I think that there we need to crack the code for what millennials are seeking mm. and they are very open they're seeking spiritual practices they're obsessed with astrology so i think that um well i am i'm really excited to see um how we can offer something you know really unique um, in work amazing oh sarah you have so much to give the world it's really really clear from our conversation today that uh, you have so much to give and it comes from a, a place of love and thoughtfulness and intelligence and I really really respect you for creating what you have created and continuing to to build the mission of Yes Queen uh, and build your your own business as well uh, on the side too so yeah thank you so much for uh finally getting each other together and having this I conversation know. I, I was thinking months in the works months in the works but that's how the best <laughs> things happen right <laughs> very true and thank you so much for your beautiful comments they mean a lot oh anytime anytime I know I, I think it always comes from from a place of also knowing uh, what it's like to build a community, to build trust of other people. And, and really, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a big feminist, but I'm definitely a supporter of women, as you said, just then using their gifts and um, talents in a really, uh, a really beautiful way, a really supportive way that's going to help our, our planet and our world and, and each other. So yeah, thank you so much. Very exciting. Thank you.